All your promises are yes and amen. Thank you for your amazing faithfulness. Thank you for your love for us. And Lord, I, I just pray if there's anything right now that would distract us, Lord, from hearing from you, hearing exactly what you have to say to us tonight, Lord, that we would just lay that at the foot of your altar now, Lord. We just want to be in a place of, of hearing, Lord, from you. We ask your spirit just to fill this place with your love, Lord, and we just thank you in advance for this, this opportunity we have to gather together to worship and praise you. And we just give you glory and praise for all things. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, everybody. How's everybody doing? All good? Great, great, great. Uh, I want to ask you guys a question. You know, do you guys believe in God's promises? I love that, which, by the way, that wasn't planned, that song we just finished with, all the God's promises being yes and amen. Do you guys believe in God's promises? Yeah, you do, don't you? Do you believe that all his promises are yes and amen? Amen. Yeah, all right. That's something we believe, don't you? In fact, in 2 Corinthians 1.20, we're told, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Just a beautiful promise we have. And I have another question to ask you. You know, why, why traveling, getting through kind of the lane of life that God has us here on planet Earth, do you guys ever deal with, with, with things such as anxiousness? And I do. I really do. Uh, deal with things such as fear. Yeah, that's another thing we deal with. You know, maybe doubt. You know, maybe worthlessness. Uh, oppression. I mean, depression. Things of that sort. Anxiety. Yeah, we all go through that stuff, don't we? You know, this past Sunday, uh, while going through the study that, that we've been going through in Philippians, Pastor Rob gave us this, this beautiful truth that I'd like, like to just remind you guys about. And, and he said this. He said, the key to victory over anxiety is a choice. Take your eyes off the mess and focus on the master. I love that. Take your eyes off the mess and focus on the master. You know, life is all about choices, isn't it? You know, sometimes we make good choices. Sometimes we make bad choices, but it's all about choices. And, you know, as believers, we make that choice to look vertical to Jesus before we look horizontal to the situations in life. You know, that's, it. that's what we, we get to do as believers. And, and there's something special that happens with that because we look at situations in life through the eyes of the Lord, rather through our eyes, the eyes of the flesh. We look at it through the eyes of the Lord. So that's something as believers we, we get to do. And it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, there was a, there was a song uh, years ago that we used to sing, and, and, and one of the choruses went like this. It said this. It said, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You guys remember that? Wasn't that a great chorus? Maybe we can ask Pete uh, later on to, to, to help us to sing that. Because I'm not going to sing it. Well, you guys all leave if I try to do that. But, but just a great reminder to us about the, the, the wonder there is at looking vertically at Jesus and, 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 and taking all our anxieties and needs to him. You know, the other day I was reminded of, of this great promise in a powerful way which drew me to the text that we're going to be looking at a little bit tonight, and that's Romans chapter 8. So if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Romans 8 as we're just kind of you know, going through this. Um, don't have a lot of time tonight, so we're just going to look at a couple of verses in there. But I encourage you guys, uh, maybe before you, you call it a day tonight and go home, read this whole chapter. It is such an encouraging chapter, such a big chapter. The whole book of Romans is a big book, but the, the, this chapter 8 is, is just amazing. You know, what prompted the, the, the life lesson, I believe, that God had to show me uh, through this uh, through this particular section in scripture, started a few weeks ago. And, you know, one of the amazing privileges we have here at the fellowship as pastors is, is to pray with and, and encourage those that are hurting. This is something that we, we do every day around here, and it's a blessing and a privilege to do that. And it just seems like never before that, that uh, there are so many people that are discouraged, 
distracted and hurting that are out there. It, it, it is just almost rampant out. Every day, you know, we're dealing with that. And I'm not talking about, you know, only non-believers. I'm talking about believers, you know, believers in the Lord, Christians uh, in, in the same kind of boat. And as we know, you know, life really is a battleground. And it's so easy to become discouraged and distracted in our Christian walks. It's, it's an easy thing to get caught into. But we must not forget, guys, that the battle is not a battle for victory, is it? It's a battle from victory. And it's another promise that we have of the Lord, that we are in him. And he has won the battle already. And, and that, that's the way we look at that. You know, the enemy is always trying to condemn us, you know, one way or another, isn't he? He's always trying to try to, try to do that. You know, and, and, and quite often, you know, we, we deal with some real hard situations around here that, that uh, you, know, uh, you know, just kind of times it's kind of like you want to say, what do I even have to say to this person? It's kind of like, you know, you're just kind of stumped. You say, Lord, help me with this thing. There's two particular guys I'd like to share just a fast, uh, just an example with that um, I've been dealing with over the past few weeks. This first guy, about, oh, about three weeks ago, came into our fellowship uh, my office is, is, is behind the, the main office in the desk here. And actually, my wife, Janine, happened to be at the desk uh, that particular time. And, and I, have a, I have a little camera, obviously, because I want to watch and make sure our girls are safe and stuff in the office. And so I'm sitting there, and I look at my camera, and this dude comes in the door. You know, 300, 350 pounds, big, bald guy. I mean, I could see on the camera, I saw tats all over his body. I saw this guy just had this look on his face like, you know, it, it wasn't good. And so he walks up to the, to the counter and I'm looking at the thing like this. I'm saying, okay, I'm going to get up real, real soon here. And he, and he, and he kind of looks at Janine at the counter and he, and he takes his hand. This guy had hands, they were massive hands, and he whacks him down on the counter out there in the office. And I jumped out of my seat in my office and I'm coming around the corner, you know, to deal with this thing. And the guy just puts his head down on, on, on the counter. And his head down on the counter, and, and you could just see that he, he was just he was just broken. He was just broken. And after sitting out talking with this guy, he's come to find out that uh, he had just been uh, just got out of jail. He's been in and out of jail many, many times. Uh, had a restraining order uh, on him to keeping away from his wife. In fact, his wife was divorcing him. Couldn't see his kids. You know, not working. You know, you guys get the picture that there was this major turmoil going on in this this guy's life. And the second guy that we've been dealing with the last few weeks uh, is, is a guy that's living on the streets got a terrible temper, uh, is an alcoholic, uh, even has a hard time getting along with most anybody. Anytime he comes to the fellowship here, it's almost like you want to, oh, you know, I want to even go by this guy. He's just one of those kind of people that are really hard to deal with. And he told me uh, just about a week and a half ago that, that uh, God hates him and he hates God. You know, that, that, that's where this guy's heart uh, is at in that particular situation. You know, in the flesh, to be honest with you guys, you know, I just wanted to say, okay, see you later. Have a good day. You know, I got another appointment going on. Like, I didn't want to deal with this stuff, you know, with these guys. But fortunately, it's not what I did. Oh, Lord, Lord, has us there in tough situations like that to deal with things like that. And so I sat with, with both these guys over the past few weeks multiple times, you know, trying to help them make better choices in life because they're making crummy choices that have put them in the situations that they're in. And well, the, you know, after a couple of weeks, the problem was that the bad choices continued to happen. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I've heard, you've heard it said that, you know, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. Man, these guys had a freeway running through their brain, man. I mean, nothing stuck. It's kind of like, duh, will you get it? You know, you're doing this and this is going to be the consequence of, of doing that just the way it is. You know, I was really getting frustrated at these guys and, and um, you know, uh, uh, they, they, were just, they were just really tough to deal with. You know, my heart was to teach them, you know, how to make better choices and, and how to walk a better life, but they just weren't listening. They weren't listening. And just about that time, you know, it's interesting, the Lord really spoke to my heart. It wasn't like a, 
you know, a, a voice like we're speaking, you know, hear, hearing each other right now, that kind of thing. But, but that still small voice, it was so beautiful. God was speaking to him, and he, he basically said, said this to me. He said, Steve, it's not the how they need, it's the who. It, it's me, Jesus. You know, I was trying to teach them how to fix things, but, you know, and I wasn't pointing them the way I should have been to the how. We know where the answer is. It's in Jesus, for sure. And it was so interesting. A couple of days after, the Lord confirmed that word with me through a study that I had just been going through with, with, with Pastor John Corson in the book of Romans. And that, that, but that was after this thing happened. It was just interesting how God takes things like that and just, just in his loving way just confirms his word, you know, to us. It was really cool. So fast forward a few days past that. Uh, the first guy, you know, since that time had the opportunity to, to you know, share the love of Jesus. I, and it's not to say I wasn't sharing the love of Jesus, but now that was priority number one. And I had the opportunity, this guy prayed the sinner's prayer, which is the most beautiful thing that got saved, you know, uh, 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 which, which is great. And, um, you know, uh, this, the second guy, um, you know, that claimed to be a believer, the first guy wasn't a believer, but now he is. But the second guy that claimed to be a believer had opportunity to... Um, uh, you know, get him a Bible. And this is another God thing. We never have loaner Bibles around here that are large print. Any of you guys that have a loaner Bible, the print is like about that big, you know, you got to mm, put it right up to your face. Well, they happened to find a loaner Bible in, 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 the, in the, the lost and found, gave him a loaner Bible, uh, prayed with the guy and, and just encouraged him to get back in the word and, and stuff. And um, it was just so beautiful, you know, reminding him about God and his love for him and the, and the, and the plan he had for his life. It was like, in, in both these guys' lives, you just felt this. It was like a 100-pound weight lifted off their shoulders. You could just see it in their demeanor. It, it's just the Lord had just done a deep work, was doing a deep work in them, and he really was changing their lives. And that was the beautiful thing. But it wasn't the hows. It was the whos that was making the chance there. So I experienced the power of the who in, in this particular situation. I'd like to read a, a story for, to you guys uh, about another situation I think that really well you know, helps to... Uh, uh, plug into this particular thought of the how and not the who's. story goes like this. It says, the story is, is, is one right out of the newspapers. A man is accused and convicted of a murder. He sits on death row for years awaiting his execution. Time and time again, uh, he comes within days or even hours of execution only to receive a stay of execution. Finally, after years, he is exonerated. Perhaps the real killer is captured or confesses. Maybe DNA evidence proves his innocence. Either way, the man is freed, and one who was under a sentence of death is set free. There is now no longer a reason to condemn this man to death. This is kind of like us. The main difference is that we are guilty. Paul himself said, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's in Romans 3.23. So just consider the best people you can think of. Martin Luther King Jr., Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, Pastor Chuck Smith, the Apostle Paul, were any of these perfect? No. They would all admit that they had sinned. Paul, the apostle, is a good example. Here was the man God chose to take the gospel to the Gentile world. Paul was the, the inspired author of almost half the New Testament, yet he admits, <clears throat> For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. And that's in Romans 7.19. He also says, For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. And that's in Romans seven eighteen. If even the best of people are sinners, then what about the rest of us? But most people say, oh, you know, no one's perfect, but I'm better than most. Maybe you can be better than most. It's kind of like the man who responded to an ad uh, for a used car. He called the car dealer and asked, does the car run? And the dealer replied, better than most of the cars on my lot. Then the man asked, how fast will it go? Faster than any of the other cars on my lot. How does it look? Best looking car in the lot. 
So the man asked, by the way, what kind of dealership is this? Are you a Ford dealer, Chevy, or a Honda? Nope, we're a junk dealership. <laughs> so, you know, are you sure you want to compare yourself to the majority of people in the world today? I mean, just look at the human race. Saying that we are better than most people doesn't say much. God doesn't compare it to the rest of the human race uh, anyway. God is not a junk dealer. God deals with only the best. Amen. You know, he takes those sinners and he makes us best in him, in, in Jesus. So he compares us to the best, and that is Jesus. How do you measure up to that standard? Have you died on the cross for dirty, rotten sinners and prayed for the forgiveness of every person who nailed you to the cross lately? So by God's standards, we're all lost, or we're all toast. We're all guilty, and we are sentenced to die. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. It also says, it is appointed for man to die once, and after the, that comes judgment. And that's in Hebrews 9.27. So, so we will all die, and then we will face judgment. You and I are on death row. We are living on borrowed time. The only reason any of us is here because we have been given a stay of execution from on high. And remember, we deserve to be here on, on death row. It's not like the person we spoke about earlier. We are all guilty. What should we do? Maybe we can all try to be the best we possibly can be. Maybe if we keep all the Ten Commandments, we'll slip by. But Paul said for ages, people have tried and that it never worked. Remember, even the best people are sinners. And what about all the sins we've already committed? There is no DNA evidence to prove our innocence because we are all guilty of sin. Based on all of this, Paul declares, there is, there no, there is therefore now no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Excuse me, there seems to be a problem here. I must have gotten this part, different studies mixed up here or something. I mean, didn't I just say that we are all guilty of sin and that there is no way to get off for good behavior? Yep, that's what I said. It's written right here in my notes. Then why does Paul say that there is therefore no condemnation? It's all because of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. There once was condemnation, but now it's gone. Isn't that a great story? It is, it is gone. You know, condemnation defines this way, gang. It says, the action of condemning someone to punishment. It's a sentencing. You know, the enemy is one who is always trying to condemn God's people. That's what he does. You know, telling them they're, they're no good. You know, telling them there's no hope. Telling them that God hates you. He doesn't like you. You call yourself a Christian going down that road. You know, the other day, <clears throat> Janine and I had a, a dear sister in our fellowship meet with us. And, and, uh, and she went on to explain how she had just felt like she lost her joy in serving and felt almost like, like God didn't, didn't have anything for her anymore. It's just, she, felt, she felt worthless. It was real sad. And talking about being condemned, and this gal is a seasoned believer for sure. You know, some serious spiritual warfare going on here. And, and, and maybe tonight, there's some of us here tonight that, that maybe feel that same way. I mean, maybe feel condemned. Maybe feel anxious. You know, maybe feel fearful. Uh, maybe feel, you know, dry as a bone spiritually. You know, maybe you too are looking for the answer to the hows instead of looking at the who. Looking at where we should be looking at. You know, the Apostle Paul uh, uh, was battling with this. In, in fact, in Romans chapter 7, 24, he says this. He says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? And Romans 7 is a chapter that's all about kind of confusion and death. And, 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 you know, thank the Lord that Romans 8 follows it. Because if you stop at 7, it's kind of like, oh, is there any hope? But Romans 8 talks about confidence in the Lord. It talks about peace, that peace that surpasses understanding. And so Janine and I uh, continued on and encouraged this gal with, with, with these three precious promises from Romans 8 that I would just like to remind you guys of. <clears throat> 
And it's beautiful. You guys will turn to Romans chapter 8. You can see that the first verse in there we're going to look at. The last verse we're going to look at, which is verse uh, 1 and verse 39. And, and I call these kind of like the bookends of the chapter. And then we're going to look at verse 28. But let's go ahead and, and break this down. Romans 8.1, beautiful, beautiful verse, you guys. It says, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Guys, you know, the difference is here, you know, we see that word condemnation, that word condemned. And there is a difference between being condemned and being convicted. There's a difference between those two words. You know, the enemy is the one that condemns us. You know, he is the one that, 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 that you know, is, is, is trying to distract us. He is the one that is trying to, uh, you know, steal our joy. So the enemy is one that condemns, but the Lord is one that convicts. So condemnation, we can say, steals your joy. It tells you you're no good. It, it draws us away from God. Conviction is like this. Conviction is, is something like, um, you guys, on your dashboard of your car, old school, there used to be a red light. You know, when there was an issue, uh, when, the, when that thing would light up, it indicates something needed to be dealt with. Uh, today, I just think the whole thing just, I don't know what it does, but it tells you there's an issue. You know, you better deal with it or, you know, there's going to be issues for sure. In fact, this happened <clears throat> to, to Janine and I a few years ago. We were, of all places, on the Hollywood freeway during rush hour uh, in, 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 our, in, our, in our, our camper going down the road towing, and the dashboard lights up. And this thing starts flashing at me. And I go, what in the heck is that? And I go to put my brakes on. The brakes go down to the floor. <clears throat> so here I'm in Hollywood, Fleury, rush hour, 60 miles an hour, push the brakes to the floor, no brakes. And it's kind of like, uh-oh, what do you do now? <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, what am I going to do? So obviously what we did is we, we pulled over and, and took care of the situation. And, you know, conviction is, is one, you know, if you look on the spiritual side of it, it gets us on our knees in confession. And it draws us to the Lord. We know where we go. We go to the Lord. It draws us to the Lord. So condemnation draws us away. Conviction draws us too. So that, that's how you kind of tell the difference. So this verse doesn't say, guys, <clears throat> that there's less condemnation, does it? What does it say? It says there is no. What does no mean? No means no. That means zero. There, there, there's not any. That's that word. So remember, there is therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Next verse here, Romans eight thirty nine. I want to read 38 and 39 together because he's, they go together so well. So there's, there's that foot, first book in there. The backside book in here says this. It says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, what shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful promise. Nothing can separate us from that. Paraphrased, nothing means nothing. Nothing can separate us from God's love. And that's that other beautiful promise we have. So there's no, therefore no condemnation. Nothing can separate us from God's love. And, and, and the third thing is Romans 8.28. We all know this one, don't we? And it says, and we know that some things work together for good. No, it didn't say that, does it? It says, oh, what's all mean? All means all, that's all all means. It says, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to the purpose. It doesn't say that all things are good. It says all things work together for good in our lives. And a lot of times things are going on. We can say, Lord, what is going on? And that's talking about walking by faith and not by sight because he knows the big picture. We just see pieces of it. And, and, and so all things work together for good. And it says, we know, not that I want you to know or not that I'm going to teach you. It says, no. Basically, we know all things work together for good. Just a beautiful, beautiful promise there. 
We also have the tendency sometimes in this particular verse to, to rewrite this and say, again, the things like most things or some things. It doesn't, again, it says all things work together for good. So Romans 8, 1, all, it says, therefore, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. 8.39, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who love God. You know, walking with Jesus is all about rest, not about stress. It's all about rest and not about stress. And we truly believe, if we can rest and truly believe these promises, we are going to be able to rest in the grace of God, that beautiful grace God gives us. You, you see, the answer to finding you know, rest every time you, you, you pull into our parking lot here, it's very simple. Look at our sign out there. Go in the lobby. Look, look at that, those, those letters that are on our lobby. And what did they say? It says, simply, Jesus. So it gets our eyes on Jesus, gets our eyes on the Lord, gang. And that is where that, that peace comes from, is, 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 is in him. The other day I was sitting in our living room and we have a, a pallet uh, on the wall. It's kind of like a, a, a pallet that we put our, our family pictures on. And, and I was sitting there and we had a, a big family picture on there and some pictures of our grandkids and our kids and everything. And, you know, I was just sitting there and just, just kind of sitting and looking at those pictures. And I was just so blessed. I was just so blessed to just be reminded how blessed we are as, as a family in, in, in Jesus and all. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, if, if Jesus, you know, uh, probably might have a giant fireplace mantle in heaven. You know, and he has, has the display of all his kids on there, his, his, his trophies of grace. You know, because we are trophies of grace, aren't we? We're trophies of his grace. And he has all his little trophies of grace on there that he just loves us and is, is, is caring for us and watching over us and all. And it's just something that's so beautiful. So he has given us his promises. He has given us his spirit. He's given us eternal life. He's given us his unconditional love. So let's press on, or as Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 tells us, puts it this way, it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen? Amen. Isn't that great? God's promises.